Boys and girls, just imagine that you would have belonged to one of the families in Israel when they lived in Egypt after so much had happened. Nine plagues had come upon Egypt as God's judgment upon them. And then your dad would tell you, we have a, a special directive from the Lord. I have to go to our flock. And I have to find a lamb. I have to fetch a lamb from our flock. I have to look for a lamb that has nothing wrong with it, no blemish. It has to be a lamb that's a year old, a male. And we have to, I'd have to bring that into the house. And that's what, what your dad would have done. He would have brought that lamb into the house. And for four days, that lamb would have been part of your family. For four days, you were able to look upon that lamb. And probably by the time the four days were over, you would become very fond of that lamb. And then the moment came that your dad would explain to you that now the Lord has commanded me to kill this lamb to kill this lamb. He would have to say, but dad, why? Why do we have to kill this lamb? And your dad would explain to you because tonight something special will happen. God will come through all of Egypt. A special angel will come. And as God's judgment upon the Egyptians, he's going to kill the firstborn of every family. And the only way that that will not happen to us if we do exactly what the Lord tells us to do, the only way that our family will be saved is if we kill this lamb. That's what your dad would have done on that 15th day. He would have killed the lamb. And then he would have taken a, a bowl in which he would have caught the blood. And you would have watched him and said, Dad, what are you going to do with that blood? He said, watch. And he would have taken a bunch of hyssop, he would have taken a brush, and he would have painted that blood on the doorposts of your house. And he would have said, but dad, why are you doing that? Well, you would have said, the Lord has said, the Lord has said that if he sees that blood on those doorposts, that our family is going to be safe. He has said, if I see that blood, I will pass over you. I will not bring judgment upon you. In other words, your dad would have said, if we do what the Lord tells us to do, and if there is blood on our doorposts, that means that the oldest one in our family is not going to die. But only, only if we do what God has told us. Congregation, what a, an extraordinary moment this was in Israel's history. And of course, we know from the Apostle Paul that all that happened there, that remarkable first observance of what we call the Passover. And boys and girls, you can understand why they called it the Passover. Because God said, if I see the blood, I will pass over you. Literally, in Hebrew it means, I will skip you. I will skip your house. I will pass over you. 
Of course, Paul then tells us in the New Testament, he says that Christ, even Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. And so here Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, clearly establishes the link between this remarkable new sacrament that God institutes and the observance of the Lord's Supper. And so very briefly, we will focus on this by way of our text, which you can find in the 13th verse of Exodus 12. There we read God's word in our text. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And then I'm going to read verse 14 as well. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, and ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. And so the theme of our sermon, our brief preparation, is simply the Lord's Passover. That's what it says in verse 27. It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. And then briefly we will look at the lamb of the Passover, the blood of the Passover, and the memorial of the Passover. The lamb of the Passover, because the blood that God speaks about is the blood of the lamb, and the blood itself, its value, its significance, and the memorial of the Passover outlined for us in verse 14. Congregation, this special moment literally marked an entire new chapter in the history of the seed of Abraham. Because in verse 2, God says, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. In other words, God is saying, This moment, what's going to happen this week, marks a new beginning. And so this literally would be the birth of the nation of Israel. From that day forward, they would reckon their history by what happened there in Egypt. But it's remarkable that the founding of Israel as a nation, the seed of Israel becoming a nation, all of which would of course be affirmed at Mount Sinai as well, but it begins here is that that founding of that nation was based on the shedding of blood. Because congregation, we need to understand that though these people were the seed of Abraham, they were a sinful seed of Abraham. They were born and raised in Egypt. They had never known anything else than Egypt. They had, in many ways, they had imbibed that Egyptian culture. And of course, that will manifest itself in the wilderness. And so there was absolutely nothing in the seed of Abraham that made them worthy of such a favor that God would separate them and declare them to be his people. And therefore, God institutes this remarkable sacrament of the Passover. 
to teach them. There is only one way, there was only one reason that he could be their God and they could be his people. And that would be on the basis of shed blood. And that's why a lamb had to be slain. Because by means of this Passover, God wanted to teach the people of Israel some very foundational truths about himself. Actually, we could say that by the ceremony of the Passover, God set the stage for that whole sacrificial system that he would give them in the wilderness. By means of the the slaying of that lamb and the shedding of that blood, God wanted to teach Israel the foundational truth of substitution. Wanted them to understand this lamb appointed by me, this lamb, which is my lamb, This lamb will be the basis on which I can be your God and you can be my people. Then, of course, we see the beautiful analogy with the Lord's Supper. Because what do these tokens remind us of this morning as we gather around about this table? These tokens of the broken bread and the shared wine. It's to remind us There's only one reason why we can be his people. There's only one reason why this God can be our God. That's because of the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God slain from before the foundation of the world. The Lamb of God, literally that whole idea of the Lamb of God comes out of the eternal heart of God appointed by him. That lamb of God slain in the fullness of time. That lamb and his sacrifice is the sole foundation upon which God can be our God and we can be his people. And we need to be reminded of that over and over again. But at the same time, I want to emphasize that it is the revelation of God's good pleasure. It is God who delights to be the God of his people. It is God who delights to be the God of his children until this day. It is God who wants to remind us this morning, my people, I've given my son in your place because it is my desire to be your God. It is my delight that you be my people. And I want you to understand that I have made full provision for you. And, O congregation, how we need to be reminded of that time and again. We are so slow to learn. I include myself so slow to learn and to grasp the foundational truths of the gospel. So inclined we are. So inclined we are to be legalistic still especially when we sin, especially when we fail. It may very well be that in this past week you had some disappointing things happen. Perhaps you fell into certain sins or certain things happened that made you profoundly unsettled. Perhaps even to the point where Satan jumped on you and howled in your ears and you planned to partake of the Lord's table this coming Sunday? 
Do you really believe that? Someone who has such desires, such inclinations, who does such things, do you really believe that such a person could be a child of the living God? And so what Satan then does, and the reality is, of course, we, we, do, we do stumble all the time. But what Satan then does, he blinds us for this lamb. He blinds us for who Christ is. He blinds us for the fact of what he has accomplished. He blinds us for the completion of his work. And then Satan actually, as it were, stirs up in us a legal spirit. And then somehow we think that we have to make things right again by being a better person. That somehow we have to do penance before we can be acceptable to God. What a liar he is, a liar from the beginning. And so time and again, as God's people, we have to be delivered from our legalism, from our legalistic bent. Time and again, we need to be redirected to that lamb as the sole foundation. It's all in this lamb. It's all to be found in him. Of course, the symbolism is beautiful, right? And I think, boys and girls, you can understand that. So if I would ask you now, why did that lamb have to be without blemish? Why could there be nothing wrong with that lamb? That's what it means. There could be nothing wrong. It's because this lamb was a picture of, of the lamb of God, of whom John spoke. When he saw the Lord Jesus, he said, Behold, the lamb of God. And so Jesus, of course was perfect. He was sinless. He was without blemish. Secondly, it had to be a lamb that was a male of the first year. So it had to be a young, strong lamb. Not a little one, but a strong, young lamb it had to be. Because so Jesus would be. When Jesus would die, he would die as a 33-year-old in the strength of his life. And it had to be taken from among the sheep. And so the Lord Jesus came to be one of us. Oh, we could say it in the fullness of time. The shepherd, the shepherd of Israel, he became a sheep himself in order to be that lamb of God. And then that he was slain after four days. You know, when you study the Gospels, when you compare all the details, everything we know about the Passover, it's amazing how Christ precisely fulfilled every detail, every detail as the ultimate Passover, as the ultimate Lamb of God. And that's why he entered Jerusalem four days before his execution, because so it was stipulated by the law of God, so that he could give himself after four days. And so what a precious lamb. What a precious lamb is the Lord Jesus Christ. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, Paul says, therefore let us keep the feast. That's what the Lord's table is. The Passover was. This is a, a feast. A feast in which we may celebrate what God has accomplished by the gift of His only begotten Son, a feast in which we may celebrate who the Lord Jesus Christ is as our Passover. 
And that's why we must never view or treat the Lord's Supper as if it were a funeral. The Lord's Supper is not a funeral. It's a feast. It's a celebration, a celebration of God's unspeakable gift. It is a celebration of God's good pleasure in Christ. God wants his people to gather round about that table and to find their delight in that lamb that is evidently, visibly set before us. So that we would echo the words of Peter in 1 Peter 1, verse 18 and 19. For as much as you know that ye were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. That brings us to the essential component of this sacrifice, namely the shedding of the blood of that lamb. A few weeks ago I explained to you why blood is so important in the Old Testament, such an important part of the gospel. The Bible tells us that the life of a man is in his blood. And so when someone loses all their blood, they die. And so by the shedding of blood of this lamb, and later all the other sacrifices, by the shedding of blood, God wanted Israel always to realize this is what should have happened to you. Realizing, reminding them that as a sinner, we have forfeited the right to live. That's what the shedding of blood points to. The day thou eatest thereof, thou wilt surely die. And so God wanted Israel to understand by all that blood, oh, that whole Old Testament system, it just dripped with blood. You as a sinner, you have forfeited the right to live. But the reason you can live is because of that sacrifice, because the blood is shed of that lamb, of that substitute. Therefore, on the basis of that shedding of blood, you can live. That's what these tokens remind us of. The broken bread and the shed wine reminds us, dear believer, that your Savior shed his precious blood as the Lamb of God. He died in your place. He received the penalty of death in order that you might live. So when you drink the cup, you will not be drinking a cup filled with wrath. He did. He knew it in the Garden of Gethsemane. Oh, let this cup pass from me. He knew what was in that cup. The unmixed wrath of God. And he emptied that cup. So that you today, as you drink the cup, you may drink the unspeakable love of God in Christ. And what God says about that blood is so profoundly important congregation. I would almost venture to say, I want to be careful here. But when God says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. I would venture to say that this is one of the most extraordinary and important statements in all of Scripture. What God says here about himself, when I see the blood, 
I will pass over you. Because in that blood, God saw ultimately the blood of his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And why? And that's why, you see, that's why that blood is so very precious to God. Because in that blood, he sees the full and perfect satisfaction of his justice. In that blood, that blood of the Lamb of God, that blood of his only begotten Son, oh, the Father sees that the price for sin is paid in full. The penalty is paid in full. And because the Father so loves his Son, he loves his son with an unspeakable love. That means that everything about his son is so precious in the sight of God. And because that blood of the Lamb of God is the blood of his only begotten son, oh, that blood is so precious to God the Father. That blood is of infinite value to God the Father. It is the blood of his only begotten son. And as a matter of fact, he only, this is important congregation, he only truly understands the value of that blood. He, he himself, God himself, he understands the infinite, incomprehensible value of that blood. infinitely beyond anything you and I can ever grasp of it. And that's why God directed Israel, and Moses repeats it in verse 23. It says, when he sees the blood. That's why he said to Israel, you will be safe from the angel of death. Not because you happen to see that blood, not because of what you understand of that blood, but you will be safe because I see it. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Congregation, there's such an important lesson for us to be learned here. Because you see, matter of fact, after all this was done and the family would sit around the table to partake of the Passover meal, they had to consume the entire lamb. They couldn't see that blood. That blood was stricken in the doorposts. And so when they sat at that table partaking of that meal, they had to take God at his word. They couldn't go by their feelings. But they had to take God by his word. If you as a child would have said, but daddy, daddy, are we going to be okay? You would have said, my child, God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. When God sees that blood that I put on the doorpost of our house, he has promised that he will pass over us. He will pass by our house. And so they had to believe it. They had to take God at his word. Their confidence, their, their comfort was rooted not on what they felt, not on what they saw, but their confidence was rooted in what God said. He had said it. When I see the blood. And dear believer, that is still true 
the Father, he always sees that blood, even when you don't see it. And so often we don't see it. We lose sight of that blood. We forget it. Or our view of that blood is so primitive. If our salvation depended on the fact that we see it, we would have no comfort. But our comfort, dear believer, our comfort lies in the fact that he sees it. He always sees it. And he alone knows the infinite value of that blood. And so when we may see it by faith, when we may see it, we experience the comfort of that blood. But the security of your salvation, the security of our salvation lies not in what you see of that blood. Your security, our security is rooted in the fact that he sees it. I see the blood. I always see the blood. And that's what he reassures us of at his table. He reassures us, what you are seeing here, I always see it. Not just three or four times a year, I always see the work of my son. I see the blood, and, I, and God wants to reassure you this morning, my dear child, I know how you struggle. I know how feeble you can be. I know how weak your faith can be. But let me reassure you that even though you do not always see the blood, I always see it. I see the blood. And therein lies our salvation. Ah, that blood made a difference. It was an evening of life and death. Life the blood and death without the blood. I can assure you, if an Israelite father had failed to put the blood on the doorposts, his family would have perished. His firstborn would have died because they were absolutely no better than the Egyptians. They were just as sinful. They were just as unworthy. But God made a difference. He made a difference where there was no difference. That's it. And when we, when we gather around about this table, we need to remember the reason I'm here, the reason I'm sitting here is not because I deserve it. Because God has made a difference where there is no difference. And it's so beautiful that it says specifically here that it says, in verse 23, and Moses says, And when he sees the blood upon the lintel and the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite. In other words, he was saying to every Israelite, This is meant for you. If you by faith obey God, and if you by faith put that blood on those doorposts, your house will be safe. And that's another blessed truth that God wants to communicate to his children. That's why when, when I go around the table and I say, this is my body, which is broken for you. This is my blood, which is shed for you. Oh, dear believer, Christ, the host of the table, wants you to understand 
that if you have fled to him for refuge, if you by faith have taken refuge to him, he wants you to understand what he did on the cross of Calvary. He did for you, for you personally. And so that tells us again, Christ does not want his people to live in doubt. Christ wants us to be assured of his love. He wants us to understand. He, he wants us by faith. He wants us to apply it. He wants us to appropriate what he has done. That pleases him and that delights him. Broken for you and shed for you. Then, of course, comes the direction, and this day <clears throat> shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. So God was saying to his people, you may never forget this day. You may never forget what I did to redeem you. You may never, never forget what happened because of that lamb. You may never forget that because I saw the blood of the Lamb that I passed over you. You may never forget that. You may never forget that that's the only thing that made a difference between you and the Egyptians. I passed over you. I passed over you because of that blood. And to remind the children of Israel forever thereafter that God not only delivered them partially, but he delivered them fully. He delivered them completely. Dear believer, that's what your heavenly Father wants you to grasp. That in that Lamb, God has done everything for you. In that Lamb, God has provided a full and complete redemption for you. In that Lamb is encompassed all the benefits of salvation. All of it. A complete work. Now, that's why we have to remember this. That's why we have to do this on a regular basis. Because we're also so inclined to forget his benefits. As I've said here before, the students in the school of Jesus, they are all learning disabled. Anybody who has any experience in special education, when you work with learning disabled students, you have to teach them often the same thing over and over again. That's what we are. We are learning disabled. Christ knows that. That's why he instituted to remind us time and again to refresh our memory, to refocus our attention on him and what he has accomplished. And then we're told that it should be a feast, a time in which he wants his people to feast upon the lamb that was slain for them. And they had to feast on the entire lamb, on all of it. The entire lamb had to be consumed. That's God's desire. Because that's the point I just made. That's why this is a feast. God wants us to feast upon that lamb. And that lamb in its totality. That lamb that taketh away the sins of the world. That lamb who has accomplished a full and free redemption. Because Paul says in Romans 8.32... 
he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Oh, dear believer, in that lamb, God has provided everything for you. He has provided a complete pardon of all of your sins, a complete cleansing of your soul. He has provided for you the right to be adopted into the household of God. He has provided for you everything you need for your redemption and for your reconciliation. And God wants you to feast on that lamb, to feast on all of it. 1 Corinthians 2.12, Paul writes, Now we have received the Spirit which is of God. And listen to what he says about that Spirit. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. That's it. That's Christ's desire. Christ's desire is that as you remember Him, as you focus on Him, as you feast upon Him, upon that Lamb of God, that you would recognize, that you might know the things that are freely given to us of God, freely. Why? Why freely? You know why it's for free? Because he paid for it. He paid for it in full. That's why God can freely bestow upon you all the benefits of redemption. And so it is to be a time, also the Lord's Supper, in which... God wants his people to enter into fellowship with him. That's why, you see, we call the communion table. We don't just come here for ourselves to be strengthened. Yes, we do. But the reason why God wants us to be strengthened in our most holy faith, the reason he wants us to feast upon the Lamb of God is because he desires to have fellowship and communion with you on the basis of that blessed sacrifice. He wants you to know because of that sacrifice, because of the Lamb of God, I am your God and you're my people. And I desire to know, I desire you to know who I am. Oh, in this supper, God opens his heart to his children. And he's saying, come, draw near and feast upon my son so that we may commune and have fellowship together. Couldn't help but think of that passage in, in Nehemiah 8, verses 9 and 10. This is where you read that, uh, that they were preaching from the pulpit. You want to turn there for a moment, Nehemiah 8, verses 9 and 10. But it, it's very applicable here to the fact that God wants the commemoration of this to be a feast. And we read there, and Nehemiah and Ezra, the priest, describe, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, for this day is holy unto our Lord. And now listen to what he says. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Oh, that's why I said, this is not a funeral. And don't attend the Lord's table as if it is a funeral. I'm not talking about levity. I'm not talking about the cheap joy of the world. You can rejoice with the tears streaming down your face. That's possible. But it's not a funeral. It's a feast where we may feast upon the Lamb of God.
and to remember this ordinance forever. That's why we read in verse 26, and it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, what mean ye by this service? Boys and girls, you may ask your mom and dad that question today. You may ask them, mom, dad, can you tell me a little bit more about the Lord's Supper? What is this all about? It's one of those, those teaching moments. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. Isaiah 38, 19, the fathers of the children shall make known thy truth. Oh, let's make sure that our children, our young children, who cannot yet partake of this meal, that you explain to them what this is all about, this blessed meal. And then we read in verse 27, it is a sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And then this beautiful phrase, and the people bowed the head and they worshiped. Oh, congregation, may that be our response today when visibly the gospel will be communicated to us. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Amen.